Hey everybody, welcome to Heterodox Americana. This is a show about thinking outside the box and examining the conventional wisdom that informs how we think and shapes how we see the world around us. The question that we're ultimately trying to get at here is, how do our unexamined ideas impact our ability to thrive as human beings? And it's our intention to unpack some of these ideas, take a fresh heterodox perspective that hopefully leads us somewhere new. My name is Raphael Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Angie Backus, another one of your hosts. So I'm at the supermarket, right? And this is this is right at the beginning of the whole social distancing thing. And um, obviously, I, I'm going to say obviously, not everybody was taking it as seriously as I was taking it. You take your social distancing very seriously, I have to say. I take my social distancing yes, extremely seriously. Even before Corona death, mm-hmm. I was like, can you back up? Yeah. Actually, can you not touch me? Right, right. Can you not touch No me toques, way. Yeah. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't, don't touch me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, even before Corona, I think social distancing, that was, that was very important to me. I want you to actually not be that close. Right. So by the time we had gotten the mandate, six feet apart, I was like, say less, right? You got to tell me twice. Uh, so I'm at the supermarket and this lady is like right up on me. She's like, she's like way too close. She would have been too close in any context. But in this context, I was like, um, back up. And so part of me is feeling like really just like uncomfortable. Have you ever like, you know, have one of those feelings where it's like, I want to do something about it, but I don't want to rock the boat. Yeah. Yeah. So many times. Yep. Um, I'm like, look, I don't want to be the person in, in line who's talking, you know, because, it, she, you know, she wasn't the only person. The person who was right behind her, this guy, he looked like he might have been drunk. But the person who was right behind her was like way too close to her. And maybe she just felt like all rules are yeah. off, right? I don't know. But here's what I do know. That it's going to make me uncomfortable to be the one person in line talking about, can you back up? But I'm not about to get coronavirus for you because your feelings. Make you feel better. So I turn around and lay. I was like, yo, could you, could you back up? You're not about to get coronavirus because her... I'm not about to get coronavirus because it's going to make her feel bad. Right. She needs to back up. That's right. Um, so, well, you know, I, I just, you know... It's very self-aware of you. Look, here's what's not going to happen. Actually, I was listening to Jordan Peters talk uh, earlier today about how people don't do the thing that they know that they need to do. Oh. Um, because... Uh, they're gonna feel bad about it and i was like uh here was one of those moments where i was like this is gonna make me feel like i'm gonna be that guy but i'm gonna be that guy mm-hmm. besides we all know the rules we all heard the rules right um so i just like yo can you can you back up can and did, you did give you me- yeah well first she gave me first she gave me like an odd look like i was a crazy one like i was a person who wasn't following the guidelines I'm, I, I'm I'm following the guidelines here. Can you can you give me some space? You see the amount of space between me and the person in front of me. You think that was just for my own? Like no, I'm giving them some space. You need to give me some space. Yes. Um, but she looked at me like I was crazy, and so I just put my hand. I was like, you know, I, extend, you gave her the hand? I extended my full arm. Oh. I was like, back up. And then you know she gave she looked me up and down. But she's mostly looking up. She's like four eleven. Um, but. I, yeah, I, I, she she backed up. 
And then uh, she turned around and looked at the guy behind her. And he didn't budge. Oh. And I was like, well, you need to speak up. Back up and speak up. That's what I'm telling people. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where it feels uh, uncomfortable to, to do the thing that you, you know you need to do. But uh, And that was before things even got crazy. I have no idea what people are doing out there now. Yeah, I, I've had many of those moments. I think I'm probably one of those people that don't, I don't really like to rock the boat very much. I am a conflict, to a degree, I'm a conflict avoider. I'll have the conflict if, you know, if I need to, um, but I'd rather, you know, go on my way. I, ha- I had an experience where it was about the second weekend to the virus where there was a couple standing um, and having a conversation near the eggs in the supermarket and um, I needed to get some eggs and I wasn't gonna walk over there but they just kept talking to each other while standing right like almost leaning towards the eggs nah you gotta back about the can y'all get away from the eggs I've been like yo can you get away from you done with the eggs (laughs) I was standing six feet away as they continued talking about their list and looking at their list and finally I did say excuse me and I'm six feet away excuse me I was just gonna try to get some eggs and they're both like, oh, 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 okay, okay. And then they kind of wandered off. Um, so I did say something. I was standing there probably for a good few minutes before I said anything. Good for you. Yeah. So I, you know, I've had one of those moments in the supermarket. But yeah, you know, rocking the boat, that that's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you if you know the person, you know, you could say, if, if that was your kid or your friend or somebody, you would say, hey, right. back up, you know, get off of me. But if you don't know the person, you really are kind of putting yourself out there. You don't know. I mean, what if it's like this showdown in the supermarket or somebody gets really offended that they have um, been rejected and they start to talk back? You have to deal with some of these unknowns that you don't have to otherwise. Right. Well, I would say if it's a showdown, you just leave or get physical. But when I'm trying to keep six feet distance, I don't want to get physical. So I'm going to probably just go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, But but I mean, psychologically, this is kind of what we're trying to avoid is, you know, if we have to confront somebody in public, you don't know how that's going to work out. No, for sure. And I, you know, I, I, I guess my thinking is to some degree, this is part of this is part of the problem. We're used to navigating. Uh, we're used to navigating the world where the pitfalls are other people, and I guess pitfalls are still other people, right? This is why I think The Walking Dead is actually a really, really good metaphor. So there's a show about zombies um, called The Walking Dead. Uh, for any of you who haven't seen it, and ostensibly it's about apocalyptic, you know, end of the world zombie kind of stuff, but really it's about how, how do you navigate the relationships with other humans when all of the social fabric starts to, to come apart? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, I think, more than, you know, looking through my own political lens, I think The Walking Dead does a much better job than any other apocalyptic thing that I've ever seen. Like, not The Hunger Games, which is ridiculous and would never happen. Not The, the Handmaiden thingy. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid, not that, which is also completely ridiculous and could never happen. Um... But I think The Walking Dead does a very good job of, of looking at how do humans have to negotiate other humans once the, their fundamental way of relying on networking and relationship, when all that stuff falls to pieces. Uh, and that's kind of like where we are. Like normally the pitfalls are other humans. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to make people mad. But now we have another adversary. 
it's the coronavirus. And so we have to both navigate the coronavirus and people at the same time. And literally, like our brains are not, that's not how our brains are set up. Mm-hmm. We're set up to kind of navigate social stuff and not social stuff and coronavirus because we can't even see it. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is, it's difficult because, you know, one, we can't see it. And so we're having to kind of ward off something that we don't have any evidence for. So it's easy to let the guard down. You know, I have a, a really good friend who, um, she has an 18-year-old kid um, who, you know, he had to leave school his first year, his freshman year in college. He's home. He's a really social kid. He was finding his place there, um, had, was, you know, getting in a fraternity. There's all these, like, really great things happening. His life came to a halt. Of course, a lot of us have these stories. <clears throat> but I guess he was really kind of suffering, like, not feeling okay. Right. And Extrovert type? Yeah, extrovert. Um, very social kid. And... His dad, about a week ago, he was talking to his dad, and um, they've, they've been taking, he and his dad have been taking drives together, which I think is a good idea. But his dad was kind of in this moment of weakness with this kid, where his kid was, you know, kind of wanting just at least one friend. And the dad came home and talked to my good friend, who, um, you know, it's her husband, and he was saying, you know, I was thinking maybe, I don't know, maybe one friend. And my, my friend um, said right away, no, no, we can't do it. We can't, we've got to hold this. You know, he'll be disappointed. And they're both, it was both hard for them, for both of them, to have to disappoint the kid in this way. And, um, but they did it. And I think those are the moments of of weakness where we think, oh, maybe this one time. Or, you know, what's it like to not see my kid suffer? If I can relieve some of this for this moment. Yeah, I I like how you put that. I am... You know, I, I think we don't, as parents or even as, you know, as loved ones of other people who are in our lives, um, you know, I think that instinct to want, to, you know, to have you get the thing that you want and to have you be okay in, in one particular kind of way, uh, let's say emotionally, um, that's our instinct. And that's generally the way that we navigate the world. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just so happens that we're in this really hard to understand moment. And when I say, like, really hard to understand, I mean, it's hard to understand just because, you know, the more you understand the the mechanics of, let's say, pathogens or or something like that, uh, you'll have more of an insight. But it's not it's not intuitive. There's nothing intuitive about understanding how some virus works, when to wash your hands, how to wash your None of that is like automatic. Right. Um, Where it is intuitive, if you see an angry person on the street or a person on the street who's like yelling to themselves and like they seem angry. You're going to walk around that person like you don't have to teach me that. I don't need Dr. Fauci to tell me how to, you know, avoid an angry, crazy man. Like right. I can do that naturally. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how our... Dr. Fauci, yeah. I don't need Dr. Fauci for No, that. Dr. Fauci doesn't even want to address that. He's tired. Yeah, no, so he is tired. He's so tired. Um, but that's intuitive and we all get that. And, and all of this stuff is not intuitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really kind of, uh, you know, it's us against the natural world, us against this world that has no feelings, like the world of viruses. They don't care. They don't have feelings. They're not out to get you. Right. Um, it's just going to do what it's going to do. Right. And I think in normal circumstances, too, when you're watching a kid go through something, <clears throat> just in normal circumstances, even if you know it's not the best thing for them, you can kind of lift the reins maybe for that one time. Okay, sure, this one absolutely. time. Let's see how it works right. out. It's, I kind of went against it, but, you know, we'll give it a shot. Right. And um, that's a natural way of parenting is to, you know, let the kid fall on their face if they need to. And I think this is one of those 
instances where, you know, normally the tendency would be to kind of let up for a minute. Sure. And again, it being invisible, it being a pathogen, it being airborne, all these things, that one chance or that one um, moment of saying, well, let's try it could be really, well, it could actually be deadly. So right. it's, a, it's a very different way of which we have to kind of move our brains to think through. It's, it's not that let's make this one concession type thing. Yeah, and it's that part that I really do have a lot of sympathy for, um, you know, kind of knowing what that, that instinct is to do, uh, you know, to, 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 to dote on the, the people that we love and to give them the things that they want and to make small concessions and, like, it's going to be okay. Um, and, you know, I guess the, the, the part that is, like, not so obvious, and, you know, I talked about the intuitiveness of it earlier, or counterintuitiveness is, is we've actually been through this a few times mm-hmm. um, where it was humans versus the natural world. And, and mind you, like, I can't ignore the role of government, right? Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, that different governments have had different responses to this. And if you look at South Korea or, or Taiwan or Singapore, they've had like stellar responses. Uh, they were prepared and they weren't bumbling their way through. Uh, and so governmental response is the same, but I'm actually going to use uh, another example where, where government was remiss, government had failed, and also the people fail, and then nature did what it was going to do, and that's Hurricane Katrina. Um, you know, Hurricane Katrina, I, I think, was a confluence of, of a few things. Uh, government had a massive failure, uh, but the citizenry, I think, also had a massive failure in their inability to understand the seriousness of the situation. I mean, you had done, you dealt with a hurricane before. I know what hurricanes are like. We lived there. I mean, lots of people who had, you know, gotten the order to evacuate, and they were like, mm, not going to evacuate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there is a sense that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think that people bring from their human world, right, uh, we're going to get through it, to the natural world. And the natural world just doesn't care in the same way. Um, and so, you know, what happened in Katrina, again, I, I don't think it was all one thing. Um, but it's one of those things where, where if people had understood how the natural world works a little bit better, they could have prepared themselves, I think, differently. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we see the same thing here. We think that there's going to be a give and take. Um, there's going to be some pliability, um, because it's not going to be that bad. And the reality is we, we don't know. And not knowing doesn't mean that it's it, it will be bad. It just means that you don't know and you're you're gambling with some dice that you don't even know how many sides are on that or on, on a given die. That that's what it feels like to me. It's like a gamble where you don't understand the stakes. Yeah, and I think that's what makes no um, hard sometimes is because it is a gamble, um, and we actually could make a choice to take the gamble. Um, <clears throat> but I think, as you said, the stakes are so high. I mean, we can gamble. You could get the kid over for a play date. Maybe nothing would happen. Right. That's a gamble, right? But the stakes are really high. And I think keeping in mind that we don't know how this works, we can't see it. Every time I go out, I mean, it's like I feel like I'm in a freak show. I, I get scared and I think, you know, it's invisible. Where is it? You know, it's airborne. Is it around in the air? I mean, does it fall? Is it near me? Is it right. falling on me? I mean, it sounds like a little, a little paranoid, but I think at this point I'm so aware that it's invisible. Like, I don't know where this is. Um, And I think that is for us to keep diligent, be diligent about the not having 
an understanding of how this works completely. So no should be our first go-to most of the time. Right. Uh, so we talked a little bit about Tiger. I want to I wanna tell another Tiger story, I guess. From the Tiger, from the Netflix special, you mean? No, it's about these people who live in the Sundarbans. Oh, okay. Uh, I think the Sundarbans are in Indonesia, I want to say, Malaysia, somewhere over okay. there. Um, Bangladesh, I don't know. Somewhere east of here. Okay. Um, and the Sundarbans is like this, this is mangrove kind of, uh, grove, mangrove? Mm, not, yeah, mangrovey kind of place where it's like lots of water, lots of the men um, are in, uh, I know it's a Muslim country. Uh, lots of the men are, are fishermen and, uh, you know, they'll go out fishing, but they'll also like look for, they'll forage in the, in the, in the groves as well. Uh, and, and the wives of the village, they're always like, they're always concerned. It's like, Muhammad, please come back to me. Mm-hmm. It was like all the guys were named Muhammad in this village, um, and the the, the Sundarbans have this they have this problem. Um, the problem is tigers, mm-hmm. and tigers like you know I mean they're cats so they, they, they're like stealthy, slinky mm-hmm. like you're not gonna hear them, um, and mostly what happens it'll be like five guys. Um, in this, you know, in the groves or whatever, looking for whatever that they, they look for, and then a tiger would just come out of nowhere, rawr, you know, just like kind of, yeah, and that's it, right? Yeah. And then what are you gonna do? Like a tiger got you. Every now and then, a tiger will, because tigers are like the only, they're like the only cats that swim. Oh. Uh, so tigers uh, will sometimes they'll be under the water and they'll pop up oh and my. just grab a guy out of, the, out of the boat and just like just that's it for him, right? And so you know, five guys leave and then they four come back and the wife is like oh my god where's Muhammad and it's like well the tiger got him right <laughs> tiger got Muhammad um but but this this way of thinking of how the natural world stalks us that's really the point that I'm trying to get to okay is you don't know where it is right you have no idea it could be hiding and it's in stealthy water. and it's quiet and you can't hear it. Right. And just because you can't hear it doesn't mean that a tiger isn't there. Right. right. And sometimes everybody comes home. Yeah. Sometimes nobody gets taken by the right. tiger. Sometimes you just get your arm chopped off. Sometimes you get your arm you're in the you know, chewed off. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Um, but sometimes, and, and the question, you know, my question to people is when you take this risk, when you take this gamble, listen, if you have to, because these guys, I mean, they're looking for food, right? They got to feed their babies at home, feed their families or whatever. Um, they're not going out having right. play dates. They're not going out having fun. I'm not seeing people at the beach. I watched somebody take a picnic, you know, from Facebook Live this week. I was like, are you really doing a picnic out on with all these crowded people? Um, I thought the beaches were, what beach was this? Most beaches are closed. Uh, there are like eight states that are still open. Okay. I mean, they all, they all have Republican governors, but they're like, well, we don't care. You know, whatever. Um, but... Yeah, you know, th- this notion that just because you can't see it and because you don't know where it is, like, if, if it's an acceptable risk by acceptable, like, if it's necessary, you got to go to the grocery store, you got to go to the grocery store, you got to eat, you got to eat. But am I going to go play in the mangroves with tigers if I know I can't hear them and see them just to have fun? That, to me, seems like it's one of these risks that you're taking a risk for, for very little payoff. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a good time. Yeah. So I think, you know, it is working with this um, this counter way of dealing with life in which we are telling ourselves no more than we're telling ourselves yes these days. 
We've right. got to say no. And what does that feel like? What does it feel like, you know, in terms of our own sense of deprivation or what we feel like we're not giving our kids or what we feel like we're not giving, you know, I said ourselves. There's a lot that, that is in that which we have to deal with internally and say, okay, we're going to be in this kind of right. feeling of deprivation or not getting what we want for quite a while. Quite a while. Quite a while. So how do we do this psychologically? What What is it? How do we work with this? Like you, I guess, you're really willing to tell that person back up. <laughs> um, yeah. That was, that was clear for you. You said to yourself, I'd rather not be in danger. Even this is uncomfortable and she might, you know, look me up and down and think I'm crazy. I'm still doing it anyway. Right? So you you took a leap over whatever it was for you to feel judged or disappointed right. by this person and you were willing to go into that yeah i mean i was so you know just from like a kind of evolutionary psychology standpoint i mean humans are obviously we're an immensely social hyper social creature and we need the crowd that is we need our tribe we need our group to back us mm-hmm. uh because if we get shunned it might literally mean you know i'm in the on our evolutionary plateau it might literally mean death death and our brains are not super different now than they were, you know, when they were on the African savannas. And so this idea of not rocking the boat certainly makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint. We survive as a group. Um, yeah, I mean, there are all kinds of, you know, there's a lot of research out there. You know, like that, there's a study where, you know, somebody um, stands up in a crowd, you know, of 20 people. And another person joins them and another and they don't even know why they're standing. But eventually what starts to happen is the person is not going to succumb to be the only person seated. Right. Even if they don't know why they're standing, eventually they'll join because they don't want to be the person that's rocking the boat or doing something that doesn't go along with the group. So I think what you are doing is to say back up to this woman um, not everybody really can, you know, we can all go there. Certainly we all have the right. capacity, but you have to push yourself to do it. No, I think that's right. I think you do have to push yourself. You really have to push yourself outside of your evolutionary brain. Mm-hmm. Your evolutionary brain says that rocking the boat in and destroying, you know, potentially disrupting the social fabric might actually mean annihilation. It might mean destruction for me. Right. Um, and there are a couple of things like one, that's going to be less true in a modern society with supermarkets, mm-hmm. right? Uh, even if the village shuns you, you can just get, you know, chicken for $2 a pound and you're fine. You go home and eat by yourself. Maybe you're lonely, uh, but you're not going to die. Right. Um, but the other part, too, is just understanding that these times that we're in right now are very different. Like, they are odd. We have like, no one who was alive today. Or maybe one person who was alive today. I think it was a 104-year-old guy who... Yeah, he survived. Yeah, right? It's and amazing. who was also, like, survived the Spanish flu. Um but there are very few people who are alive today who have faced this type of pandemic. You know, there have been a, a couple epidemics, um, but the, the level of transmissibility that we're seeing, it, it doesn't, you know, parallel anything in our lifetimes for the majority of us. Uh, and so it's new. It, it's odd. It's a very, it's like The Walking Dead. I mean, we talked about that. Um, maybe. I don't know. Did that part get cut? Yeah, no, no, it's in. <laughs> okay. We got it. Um, but... But yeah, where we are is totally different. So, you know, it's not just passing, uh, pushing past this this idea that we're not going to survive. It's also that actually um, the landscape is so different right now that we fundamentally have to act differently um, in order to achieve the thing that we want to achieve by being so social. I mean, being so social allows us to survive. 
And now we actually have to do counter really something that is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Our survivability goes up when we do the thing that is counterintuitive to our brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <clears throat> you know, it's it's interesting because this far into it now, everyone, you know, you have those. I don't know if you have them on on your Facebook page. But I have very, um, I have the policing. You know, the the policing people that. Every single chance I get, it's they put up new signs about, you know, all the CDC guidelines and they go outside their house and they see three people jogging. They're like, why are people out here jogging? This is so terrible. It's like this constant policing of people. You have those people and then you'll have, you know, a few that will say, you know, talk about what they're going to do when this is all over. I'm going to go to my favorite bar. I'm going to get my hair cut. And then I've noted that you have these people that, occasionally will cross lines that they're kind of indiscreet they're a bit discreet about i don't know if the picnicker on live feed was someone like that a little bit yeah and those people they kind of put themselves out there to say but i'm still keeping six feet away it's okay social distancing is in place but they're in a new home you know saying well let's all sit farther away from the table than we typically would which is an interesting concept right so they're pushing this a little bit while trying to keep the rules. And I think this is when that no starts to become really important. So, you know, to modify this so that they can do the thing they want and say, I'm still within the guidelines. What they're thinking of, I think, is basically I'm following some of these guidelines rather than I'm putting myself at risk. So it becomes more the rules in their head rather than the actual, what am I protecting myself against? It's um, I followed one through five. So I I should be fine by your standards. You want me to follow the rules? I got that. Instead of, well, no, because now what you're doing is putting these people at risk and then right. somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. So the rules aren't just, you know, it's not just a rule book. It's not like we're, you know, crossing off a checklist. You have to think beyond the rules and say, why? Yeah. And so again, you know, it, it's, it's the judgmental part of me does not come out here. Um, I, I'm super sympathetic. Um, like I get that thinking, um, and and it, it's not what I would necessarily call mechanistic thinking. It's it's what you said, right? It's like I understand the rules, but if you don't understand the principles behind the rules, then the rules are just they're kind of there, and you do them. Uh, there are principles that are behind them, um, but understanding those principles to some degree it means understanding the science. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the less clear the science is to you, the less clear you are on how viruses operate. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, I, I think I have a pretty decent understanding. I was talking to a uh, um, uh, molecular biologist friend of mine the other day because it, it occurred to me, we happened to be on the phone. I was like, you know what? Here's a question. Uh, do viruses have the same evolutionary path as other, um, let's say, organisms that have um, either DNA or an RNA, right? So uh, viruses have one or the other, but not both. Um uh, and these are, you You might call them, I don't want a technical term it out, um, but do they have the same evolutionary path or is this a separate instance of uh, this kind of molecule evolving in a, in a second, you know, a second time? Uh, and his answer was that essentially it's the same, the same starting point, mm-hmm. but one took uh, a path towards more complexity okay. and the other one took a... Uh, a path towards like let's say like a lean startup. He was essentially saying that um, 
that a virus is like the lean startup of, of, of organisms, right? It's like, what's the bare minimum that we need to function? Let's run a tight ship, right? You don't need all this extra clutter. Um, streamlined. Absolutely streamlined, efficient, stealth, get in, get out, right? It's mm-hmm. like Team Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, naval, naval, you know, the no, I don't. Navy SEALs. Naval, naval SEALs um, is Team Six. Yeah. At any rate, uh, I digress clearly. Uh, the, the point was, though, that the more you can kind of understand the mechanics of, of the science, the more the guidelines make sense. Right. But if you don't understand the science, then the guidelines are like, I don't know, they're like commandments that came from somebody named, you know, Dr., Dr. Fauci. <laughs> Dr. Right? Fauci. Moses is one thing. His least, that's established, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. We know that's in the Bible. Uh, but Dr. Fauci, who's this guy anyway? And do I have that's to listen right. to his commandments? Yeah. It's from Brooklyn. Yeah, no, that's a great point because I think, you know, following the rules because the rules and following the rules because you understand why the rules exist are two different things. My mom, who, um, she's 80. She looks amazing. She's in great health. Um but she's having a really hard time comprehending this in light of uh, my her great grandkids. So she they live in Texas, and my niece has these two little babies. Right. And um, my sister, who is my mom's primary person, is telling my mom now that you know she can't see these kids, um, and they do things like you know on whatever FaceTime and stuff. And my mom is having such a hard time. And my right. mom's keeps saying, "But I don't have germs." This is my mom's you know, concept of right. this. And Michelle, you know, is trying to say, no, it's not about, you know, your germs. We're, we're primarily doing this for you because we don't want you to get sick. She can't get the concept right. really in, in this kind of more um, uh, basic way. And so just feels very deprived. And I think it's really hard for her to get behind. Right. I think my mom could understand it, but she's not really taking the time to. Um but yeah, this is the stuff. So I think my mom sees these as just really enforced rules that for her are life-taking. Like you're taking my of grandkids course. away. Of course. And that feels really bad. And by the way, I can be really careful and make sure I'm not spreading anything to them. And by the way, I don't even have germs. So my mom is kind of thinking of these ways. Of but she's wrong. She can... totally has germs, by the way. Well, she does. <laughs> she's thinking of these ways of how she can get around it and still do it. But I think it's because they just feel like rules to her. You're putting right. something in place that for her just feels very there's a lot of deprivation right. deprivation and yeah. probably you know and if you don't understand it to some degree you know it probably seems arbitrary so and that's why I, I i think that's why i have so much sympathy i think it's hard enough to understand i really do um there are lots of people who um they kind of don't understand the mechanical world um because it's you know whatever um and, and i do have sympathy for that right it's not the world that we are are in you know constant interaction with we're in the world of, of people we're in the world of relationships of can you give me this or of course or that's so funny or whatever it is right um and this other world is um it's always there but uh it's a little harder to understand and so i have a tremendous amount of uh, a sympathy for that so you know when so how do how do we if some of us mm-hmm. are have a slightly better understanding and are taking it, you know, slightly more seriously. Uh, what do we do to help the people who are like, mm, I'm going to this party? I think it is in those moments now where we can evaluate that we might be put into some pretty uncomfortable positions to maybe speak up about it and to say, yeah, it probably isn't 
you know, I don't think that's a good idea. Let me tell you why. Are you sure about that? Whatever it is that you want to say that you would stop. And to consider this not so much around being polite right. um, and taking, you know, the nice way out. Not that those things aren't nice, but to really like speak up and to hold the discomfort of what it's like to be able to say no. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the moment for politeness is, is is a little bit more subdued now. The gloves are coming off. Mm. Um, and it's less about... Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and rock the boat. I, I know that you don't think of me as a, the rock the boat type. <laughs> That's a joke. But uh, but yeah, it's... Um, I think you're a professional rock the boater. No, we got to tell people back up, man. And when, you know, with friends, I assume my friends are going to do whatever it is that they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Some people care, some people don't. But when it comes to me... You need to back up, and I'm not going to hold my tongue about that. Right. So that that's what I'm saying. If you have people in your life, listeners, who you feel like they need to back up, I'm to look. You can be afraid to say back up, but I don't know. You might have to, might have to just take control of the reins and tell people to like... <laughs> Take a step back. Yes, and there that will be harder for some than others. You seem to fall on the spectrum of Look, it was hard for me, but like what's at what's at stake? That's the question. I'm yeah. not getting corona for I nobody. I just want to say I know you made that clear. Uh, but I do think that you are less of one that will take the you are one that will take that risk probably um a little bit more than others. And there are those that probably find this to be a little difficult. I think it's at this point it's okay just to be uncomfortable. I think for the most part, it seems like people are actually kind of following these guidelines. But if you have those in your life that say, hey, can you just come for this one time or we'll social distance or whatever, what is it like to just say no? And I love you, but no, I can't. Right. Yeah, and it's going to be harder with family, right? But yeah, or we with do friends it. that, you know, right. want to take walks or whatever. Um, but, but what is it like to go ahead and just say no and do it because the coronavirus is... It's invisible. At any rate, I guess we will talk to you in a week. Uh, Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you in a week. See ya.